0: Hello, and welcome back to Displaced Underdogs. I am your host, Morgan. So, a lot of people have been podcasting about COVID 19 because that has really taken off. And I personally, um, we'll probably do a podcast on that an episode on that later on in the near future but i did kind of have a schedule and quite frankly with again the passing of my father and with all this covid 19 stuff going on here in the u.s particularly in the state in which i live and Now, non-essential personnel is required or requested to stay home, and only essential personnel can be out and about. Um, As we're on a little bit of a quarantine, they say lockdown, it's really just a quarantine. Since people couldn't self-quarantine on their own, Big Brother had to step in and force everyone to self-quarantine. So... And again, I'll go in on that um, in a later episode and my thoughts and opinions on it as well as some research because there seems to be a lot of information, both correct and misinformation. And somewhere between the mass hysteria hype and the, oh no, it's not that big deal. It's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. Somewhere in between both extremes is a middle ground, and in that middle ground is actually the truth, so at least that's what I've found more often than not in cases like this, but I did have a schedule, and I do just kind of want to get back on track with that episode schedule that I had planned, Um, I know that I've taken quite a bit of a hiatus because again, um, my father passed with, it was very sudden, no indication that anything was wrong. I mean, I literally talked to him the day before he passed and everything was fine. You know, um, one of his friends, that's a family friend, talked to him moments before he passed and nothing, no indication that anything was wrong. So, I mean, kind of rocked my world a little bit, a lot, a lot, actually. So just trying to move forward, not move on. I'll never move on past that. No one ever moves on past that. You move on with it and you just move forward. And I'll have an episode on grief and everything too, obviously. But I'm just going to stick to the script that I wrote up before my dad passed. And I'm going to stick to what I had originally planned. Because I think some normalcy and consistency is what everybody needs right now in this time of pandemic panic COVID crazy. So I'm just going to kind of roll with it and stick to what I had originally scheduled. So with that being said, the title of the episode is not, of this episode, is, is not talking about fashion in way of fashion trends or any thoughts and opinions on what was introduced during fashion week. It's more to do with what I've been learning or what I learned about fashion because of my hobby and love of sewing. And I primarily stick to historical sewing, particularly the Victorian and Edwardian area turn-of-the-century fashion. Industrial Revolution time frame. Late 1800s, early 1900s. So, but I digress. This was around the time, um, like, my, my lovely passion and hobby of sewing trends like the Victorian and Edwardian time frames, that's actually around the time that we see dressing laws start to change. Yes, dressing laws, my friend. That I will go into in a different episode. That yeah, that's there were laws that forbade people from wearing colors, trims, fabrics like you could get in huge big time trouble. So But again, around the Victorian and the Edwardian era is where we saw a boom of the middle class and the birth of what we now call haute couture, thanks to Mr. Worth, which is what the fashion industry has like the Milan Fashion Week, the New York Fashion Week, all these fashion designers and stuff. Mr. Worth was the grandfather of haute couture. And from this, we start to see a change and evolution to where we are today in terms of fashion. But I'll go into the history of clothing another episode, another time. Today, though, I'm more introducing a few concepts I've learned about more in depth. And again, there. this is just like an introductory episode that's going to lead into the next At least two episodes. So, as you all know, Aaron and I have started The Minimalist Lifestyle a year or so ago. And part of that was going through clothes. I love sewing, but also changing up my lifestyle to a more minimalistic living. Clothes clothes are huge. We also have three kids. Clothes, laundry is the adult version of the never ending story. And clothes are everywhere, everywhere. And for me, more than him, women, our wardrobes are just bananas. So, of course, I got back into and picked sewing back up went down a few YouTube rabbit holes of sewing tutorials and things to kind of keep my interest going because sometimes I like to start projects and then I get bored with them and then I put them down and and then I don't come back to them for at least a year or two. So I went down a few YouTube rabbit holes to keep my um interest alive. And when I went down those rabbit holes, I saw a couple of haul videos and I binged watched the whole Marie Kondo series and a few documentaries on minimalism, and clothes were everywhere. Like clothes are like a huge thing that we don't even notice and that we kind of take for granted. And I mean, they're they're everywhere in our lives. There's textiles in the form of sheets, towels, blankets. And then you just get into what we put on our bodies, clothes upon clothes upon clothes, haul videos, decluttering videos, hoarding videos, shopaholic documentaries, look books, fashions that are trending, wear trending, um, fashions that are trending, were trending, and then died, and then came back into trend. And I could go on. It was a huge rabbit hole. And I'm sure with all this COVID quarantine stuff, people are now going down these rabbit holes themselves. And <coughs> I've got allergies, my friends. I do not have the COVID. Sorry. So I I also am a dirty smoker and smoker cough happens. So get over yourselves. Um, But I mean, just all from just looking up some s- historical costuming tutorials and a few decluttering and haul videos while folding and decluttering my own laundry, I noticed that there was just like clothes and fashion and, and of course getting into historical sewing. It also, you know, uh, most of us that are into the hobby of historical sewing, um, tend to go into not just like how to make historical pieces, but the history behind the fashions. Because there are times when you're making a Victorian ball gown and you just want to scream because you're in the second bustle era of the Victorian era, which was like the 1830s, 1840s, and you're just like, knife pleats. I hate knife pleats. Why am I doing this to myself? What could I have possibly thought was gorgeous about this? Oh, because I like the shape, but why do we have this shape? Why is that important? Why can't I just skip making this petticoat? Why does that petticoat have to have so many ruffles? Why are there so many ruffles? I love the ruffles, but I hate the ruffles. Ugh. And so then you go into the history of fashion, and then you just, yeah, you, again, all these rabbit holes, and yeah, which then led to a peaked curiosity of the fashion industry as a whole. Well, it opened a lot of doors to the fashion industry as a whole, and I mean, I learned about sustainable fashion, and it became an interest, and... I suppose in this episode, I will explain why, maybe, and introduce some concepts such as slow fashion and fast fashion and sustainable fashion, and just start a conversation. So more focusing on fast fashion and slow fashion. So with that said, please sit back, plug in, relax, and enjoy. I suppose I should frame this out a bit better. I'm going to introduce what I ran across in regards to sustainable fashion. Um, There are three main questions I will address. Hold, please. Why this is interesting, and I find it fascinating and or important, what fast fashion is, and what slow fashion is. And I'll try to keep it brief because I'll go into a fast fashion episode and a slow fashion episode. And because there's a lot of information on both that they deserve their own episodes. But again, this is just kind of a brief introduction. So let's get into it. Textiles, primarily clothing, has almost always been a signifying message to social codes, Um, clothing has always been such a huge signifying message of social codes that laws were made. And if you dressed outside of your station, you could, in fact, be arrested and severely punished. Clothing and fashion have also been used to push huge movements and make huge social and political statements. And not just clothing, but sometimes the lack of clothing such as screw corsets, not going to wear a corset. And that made me a lewd woman and a loose woman with poor moral character and values. Or 1960s burning of the bras. So clothes are actually a lot more important than we give them credit for. And since I'm, again, really into sewing, I find these trends Absolutely interesting and fascinating. They speak a lot to society and what is going on in society. Because when times are good and the economic health of society is in good standing, so people are more secure financially, the trends are amazing. Colors get more vibrant. Things get more decorated, whether it's jewelry, like extra jewelry. Um, again, in the historical context, silks and ruffles and yards and yards of fabric. Modern day, it's more details. And actually, when the economy is going well, um, clothes for women in particular tend to get shorter and more risque. When the economic health of society is in decline, um, you'll start to see, particularly in women's fashion, a more conservative length of dress or short and cuts and styles. So, and I find these trends absolutely fascinating. I enjoy how fashion has had huge impacts on history in very subtle, subconscious ways. Textiles and clothing have always covered bodies all around the world for a very long time, in, all throughout human history. And I quite enjoy learning and exploring about other cultures and history as well, not just Western culture and civilizations, but also African and... Middle Eastern and Asian and Eastern philosophies. It's just, it's amazing. Like, India, for the longest time, has had some of the most skilled embroiders ever. And of course, Asia, with their hand painting and their silks, freaking amazing. So, and the dyes and stuff. A lot of the Western culture got a lot of their more vibrant colors from Eastern influence. So, and what materials have been used to make clothing is is just amazing and so very fascinating. Like, in a lot of the ancient Vikings, um, actually used grass there's this really intricate lace that is made from seaweed and there's, it's actually kind of a dying art on how to make this lace and how to make that fabric from seaweed and it's very expensive and it's very delicate and finely crafted. So, it, because of the environmental factors on top of cultural and social factors is, is how these different fabrics and different skill sets have come about. And I it's just, I find it interesting. It also fascinates me when people that don't sew, crochet, knit, or craft textiles from basically a strand of yarn or, um, a bed sheet, even, uh, people tend to, that don't know how to do that tend to get, like, very impressed by people that know how to do that. Like, for example, when Erin watches me from start to finish through a project, whenever I sew or crochet it actually so captures his attention and intrigues him so much so that he always just it kind of for me I'm like what why why are you watching this why are you asking so many questions and he's like I just you're taking nothing I see nothing and you and you're making something and it's just interesting how like do you even know all the steps that you're taking right now and and how you're putting it together. And I can't, all of this is Greek to me. And this is just like the math that you use, the cuts and angles. And it's actually very mathematically and geometrically interesting. So, and where for me, it's just something that I was taught by my grandmother. And it's something that I just know how to do and enjoy and I understand it well enough that I sometimes take it for granted. It then makes me curious and wonder how many of us take simple things, like clothes, for instance, for granted these days, which then prompts me to do what I enjoy doing very much, researching and sleuthing out answers. And, well, Again, I get into these rabbit holes and learn some pretty nifty things that I like to share. So, with that said, I've learned about fast fashion and slow fashion. And it is all, again, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this, but uh, very fascinating, interesting, and intriguing. So, we're just going to take a quick break when I return from getting something to drink. I will briefly talk about fast fashion and slow fashion and introduce them to you guys before going into an episode solely devoted to each. Okie dokie. I will be right back. Okay, so this will be brief because I have scads of information that I'm saving for a more in-depth episode or two, two, for more in-depth episodes. Um, And I'm trying to remind myself to keep time on on the forefront of my mind, so... As I said, I've gone deep down a rabbit hole on this one, and I enjoy balanced research. So, okay, right, let's dig in. The term fast fashion was a relatively new term for me, so naturally I looked into it. Fast fashion is what it sounds like. Fashion that is about quantity and comes out quickly. And unfortunately, when you focus on quick quantity, you negate or overlook quality. And again, fast fashion is about quantity over quality and pumps out clothes as quickly as they can, which can lead to issues, environmental, social, and other. But it also has its benefits even if they are few, in my humble opinion, but I don't want to get too soapboxy or be too negative. So, because again, in the interest of balanced research, uh, but why wouldn't they pump out trendy clothes as quick as they can when the fashion industry as a whole is a 1.7 to 25 Trillion dollar industry. That's right. That's right. The US, the United States debt could be paid off if they just went into the fashion industry because it is a 1.7 to 2.5 trillion dollar industry. So can you really fault them? Like, can you really fault fast, fast, fast fashion companies? Um, And just to kind of go into this a little bit further, I I, I do have a few quotes that I will cite. So one of the quotes is, fast fashion can be defined as cheap, trendy clothing that samples ideas from the catwalk or celebrity culture and turns them into garments in high street stores at breakneck speeds. Quoted by Good On You. Um, Another quote is poorly constructed, cheaply produced clothing, which copies the latest catwalk styles pumped quickly through stores to maximize on current trends and plays on our insecurities of wanting to look good and keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, That was quoted off of thegreenhubonline.com. Again, these are kind of biased, but in essence, that's kind of what it is. And there is so much more there about fast fashion. But as a brief introduction to it all, I'll move on to the other relatively new term for myself. Slow fashion. Tons of things can describe it just as tons of things can describe fast fast fashion. But here is a quote that I like because I think it sums it up quite nicely. Slow fashion is about returning to a personal relationship with fashion, one where trends and seasons don't matter, but your ethics and aesthetics seamlessly unite and you escape the stress of constant consumption, focusing on the style that truly appeals to you. Amelia Wick, head designer at BYEM. Slow fashion is more about a conscious and mindful choice that is more purposeful and intentional, when it comes to you and your personal style. Which again, um, not only have I gone more into a minimalistic lifestyle, but um, I've been working on mindfulness as well. Um, And slow fashion, it kind of falls into that granola natural lifestyle choice, and it slows down consumption of shopping to ask yourself some deep, oftentimes tough as well, questions. It's about going for timeless pieces over trendy, quality over quantity, which takes a deeper long-term view as opposed to the more shallow short-term view of its counterpart, of fast fashion. So you take a, a more deeper long-term view of your clothes and your personal style, and you can change it over time. A lot of us do change our personal styles over time. A lot of us have to do it over time because, quite frankly, clothes are expensive. So, and and I guess that's the thing. Slow fashion just kind of helps with that a little more and, and focuses it down, you know? And some of those deeper sometimes tough questions like your body shape. A lot of us have insecurities about how we look and slow fashion helps you to kind of slow down, not worry about what other people think, be more mindful about what you choose and to find those pieces that to find those colors, those pieces that speak to you, um, fit you, like fit your body shape. And that you can wear for more than just two months. And then feel like, ah, nuts. I don't have the next trend. Um, I'm out of fashion. So slow fashion does have some downsides as well as some good upsides, just like everything. Slow fashion also leads into sustainable fashion more seamlessly than fast fashion as well. But again, this was a bit more of a brief introduction to it all. So, and I guess um, real quick, sustainable fashion is For a lot of those people out there that are doing the zero waste lifestyle and choosing to do that, that is a movement that has been picking up momentum as well. And so um, slow fashion flows into sustainable fashion, which flows into that zero waste lifestyle a lot more seamlessly than fast fashion. Again this was just a brief introduction to it all. So next episode, we will go more into the fast fashion side of it all and take a deeper look into that. There is a lot more there as that makes up a big part of the fashion industry as a whole because there's a lot more fast fashion shops and it is a huge part of um, the fashion industry. I mean, Target, um, Abercrombie & Fitch, Buckle, Aeropostale, Fashion Nova, all of these are fast, H&M, Zara's, all of these are fast fashion um, stores, Forever 21. A lot of the places that we shop at, even Walmart, Um, they're all fast fashion. So again, fast fashion makes up a huge part of the fashion industry as a whole. So by business, like big business versus small business really is kind of what it comes down to. So until next time, be safe Truly, honestly, be safe. Follow washing hands, follow basic hygienic practices. Um and you know, just if you're if you're feeling under the weather, just just don't don't go to work. Don't don't go around people. It's it you know, you might miss a birthday or two. Take it from somebody that has lost her father. Um, there will always be birthdays. There will always be other events that you can go to, um, you know, but just, just have other people, um, have a thought and a care for other people, for your fellow human. So until next time, be safe, create, and enjoy.